Father, we love you this morning. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to stand behind this pulpit stand. Lord, I'm speaking to people from all different walks of life. Some's been saved for many years, some not too long. Some are hurting this morning. But all, dear God, I believe knows about you. Thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to all of our hearts. Lord, I can't do this in myself. God, it takes, it takes your anointing, your Holy Spirit. Speak, as I said, to our hearts. Minister to every need. And we'll be careful to praise you in Christ's name. And everybody says, if you do not have a copy of the outline, they have one. I want you to have one. Please raise your hand. The Holy Spirit's threefold conviction of men. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the works of the Holy Spirit for the last, well, it's been over a month. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit doing today? Look at the introduction because I think it's very important. The need to address the vital role of the Holy Spirit is as relevant today as it has been throughout church history. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be talked about. We need to have somewhat of an understanding. The Holy Spirit is how we experience the presence of God in our daily lives as Christ's followers. I have a CD. I don't listen a lot to CDs, but I have a CD. My, I listen to music. I go YouTube and things. But the City of Gold yesterday, and there's a song on there that all those songs just bless me to no end. It's just, it's poetry. Uh, what? What is it? It's about heaven. It talks about heaven. And there's a song on there. It says that uh, Max Licata wrote the song. I don't know. Maybe he wrote the words. My Lord remembers my name. The king remembers my name. I, I sat there in my office and got to thinking about that. He knows my name. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. He knows my name. I mean... Having a relationship with God. Having the Holy Spirit of God. The third person of the Godhead to come and dwell in you and I. He's living in every one of us. He's here today. And sometimes I think we just barely tapped into the, the real manifestation. The gifts of the Spirit. The outpouring. The healings. The miracles that can take place in your and my life because of the presence, certainly, of the Holy Spirit. 
Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is transforming hearts and lives around the world, as Brother Dan said earlier. The Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as a power at work in the lives of people, dealing with them and revealing more fully God and His will for mankind. That's how we know. That's how we know. Allow me to read some scripture, if you will, from John chapter 16. Notice what it says. Now, nevertheless, Jesus is speaking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper. Look at that. That's capitalized. The comforter. The paraclete, the one that comes along beside of us will not come to you. But if, but if, if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict. Uh-oh. I mean, that's a word you don't hear much, lady. But it's so important. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness. He will convict the world of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Notice Roman numeral one in your notes. I do hope you take note of this. And, and, and let's study a little bit, students. Come on. Let's, let's, let's see what thus saith the Lord. And I believe I've uh, got some very important things and that you'll be blessed. First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts. It convinces. I don't know where man or how far man will go with his hard heart. I've never seen the like of a society, of a culture, that people have such hard hearts. And you might say to me, Pastor, I don't know. I, do we see the results of the Holy Spirit convicting people today? For you that's been in uh, 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 Christianity for a good while, especially Pentecost, I can tell you this, that when I was young and gave an altar call, people just came to the altar. Practically running to the altar. People were so convicted. He does his work of conviction through the preaching of God's word. The apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost stood and he preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and thousands of people were converted. Why? Because the Bible says that their hearts were what? Pricked. Convicted. They were convinced that they needed a relationship with the Lord. And we need preaching. Amen? We need preaching under the anointing. We need called men and women of God to preach and teach the word of God. He does his work of conviction through personal witness. Personal witness. Beth Tatum of Costa Rica. She says, for the past five years, I have served on a ministry team in a local women's prison in Costa Rica. These women have been through a variety of tragedies and have seen evil face to face. Many want to make a change in their lives 
and are determined to choose a better path. However, living in an overcrowded and oppressed environment can harden anyone's heart. Seeing true transformation in these women would be nearly impossible. Let me say that again. Seeing a true transformation in these hard hearts would be impossible, she says, without the work of the Holy Spirit. And church, we must have the manifestation, the move, and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to see lives change. Programs won't do it. Beautiful singing won't do it. Beautiful preaching won't do it. Beautiful sanctuaries won't do it. It's going to take the moving, certainly, of the Holy Spirit. When women, she said, come first come to our group, they have hardened faces and attitudes full of hate. But as our team leads Bible studies, mentors them, and teaches about the love of Christ, you can see physical and spiritual transformations take place. Their faces soften, they smile again, and their hearts begin to experience joy. And that's what happens when a person is convicted. That's what, hap that's what happens when they're moved upon by the Holy Spirit. These women discover that they are not defined by their past and that the Holy Spirit will guide them as they forge a new path in life. They learn how to accept <coughs> responsibility for their sins <coughs> and to move forward as new women in Christ. That's exciting. That excites me. The Holy Spirit is able to move upon the human heart in ways that we often would not believe prior to seeking it take place. But he does so in a powerful way to make us aware of his presence and our own needs. One such example is found, and I love this story, Tony Campalo, in this following story. Sociology professor Tony Campolo recalls a deeply moving incident that happened in a Christian junior high camp where he served. One of the campers, a boy with spastic paralysis, was the object of heartless ridicule. When he would ask a question, the boys would deliberately answer in a halting, mimicking way. One night, his cabin group chose him to lead the devotions before the entire camp. It was one more effort to have some fun at his expense. Unashamedly, the spastic boy stood up and in his strained, slurred manner, each word coming with enormous effort, he simply said, Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. That was all. Conviction fell upon those junior hires. Many began to cry. Revival gripped the camp. Years later, Campalo still meets men in the ministry who came to Christ because of that testimony. You never know how God is going to use you. How God's Holy Spirit is going to work through you. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Operate in the Spirit and let Him touch lives. Let Him move upon these 
lives. He does his work of conviction by special providences and and interventions. He said, what what, what are you talking about, Brother Don? I'm talking about a Saul being changed to a Paul. I'm talking about a man that's on his way to imprison Christians, have them killed as it were. And yet through the manifestation of the power of God, he was knocked off of his horse. Then he humbled himself. If God can humble Saul, if God can humble Nebuchadnezzar, if God can humble a, 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 a people that you and I have seen humbled so many times, he can humble anybody. The hard hearts in Washington, D.C., the hard hearts in Raleigh, North Carolina, the leaders of Durham, North Carolina, he can touch their heart. Amen? He does his work of conviction in answer to prayers of God's people. Matthew tells us if, if two, I heard a preacher quote this the other day. Boy, did he blow it. He's on television. He says, if any two agree is touching any, it doesn't say that. It could be any two. It could be a drunk. But he says, if two of you, two believers, if two of you Agree is touching any one thing. It shall be done. This past Tuesday on 9th Street at Day Spring Church, 18 ministers gathered together with the names of the city council. We had their names. We had their pictures. We laid them in on, on, a, on a chair. And all of it, you should have heard those prayers. And you're talking about Pentecostals praying. You're talking about Baptists praying. You're talking about Methodists praying. Blacks, whites, Hispanics. All praying together. Believe in God. Sensing, listen to this, the very anointing of the Lord. Not only did we pray, we called those, not only the city council, but, this, but the county commissioners, we called them. We prayed for him. Where's Brother Michael? Is he here? You prayed for one on the phone. You asked her, and I know her. I would have never thought she said, yes, pray for me. I've been knowing her for years. I can tell you a lot about her. But Brother Michael said, I cannot pray with you. She said, yes. God can melt through the prayers of the people. And that's the reason we come to this church, especially on Friday night, and we lift up the name of Jesus and we weep before the Lord and we lay prostrate on the floor and we say, God, save our nation. God, save our city. God's not going to do it until the church prays with fervency and passion that God will save. One day, I love number five. I hope you're reading along with me. One day, this conviction of sin will have permeated the world's very heart. You see, Brother Don, we've prayed for years. I don't see any movement of, of people weeping and, and, and wanting to come to Christ. They get harder and harder. Listen to what Zechariah tells us. Zechariah says, uh, in 12.10, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him 
those hardened hearts, those evil, wicked people that pierced him, put a crown on his head, nailed him to an old rugged cross with spikes. One day where they will mourn. That's what the Bible says. They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. You say, Brother Don, I don't, I don't see anything happen. I don't know. Sometimes I, I wonder, but I, I know that my faith is in God. My faith is in the Word of God. My faith is in the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Listen at the writing of John to Revelation. Behold, He is coming with clouds. Somebody say amen. Well, say it again. Behold. Behold. Now, you don't want to say behold unless there's something to behold. You just want to go, behold, behold. You want, to, you want to know something is to behold. And the Bible says here, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. The only way that we're going to see people weeping because of their sin, mourning because of their sin, if the church stops marginalizing the Holy Spirit, put it front and center. You want to talk about it, talk about it. Pray, pray and believe God. Let him manifest himself. Speak in tongues and be moved by the Spirit of God. Oh, God. Help us, I humbly pray. I got to hurry. Did you take my time? No, she did not. He convicts, convicts the sinner of his sin. Look at, please, please follow me with the notes. Not simply of sins, the fruit, but of sin, the root. God's Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ. God himself just doesn't deal with, deal with the fruit. You say, Pastor, what is the fruit? Paul lists 17 of them. Paul lists 17 of the fruit in Galatians. I'll mention some. Adultery, uh, idolatry, witch, witchcraft, hatred, wrath, strife, murderers, drunkenness. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. You want to deal with the root. You want to get to where the problem really is. And that's where the Holy Spirit deals. He deals with the root. And of the paramount sin of unbelief, the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. Look at my next. The world's conduct towards Christ is the decisive proof of its sinfulness. But look at number three under number two. Every kind of evil doing runs up into unbelief. You see, that man's problem is drunkenness. That man's problem is hate, bitterness, wrath, murder. Let me tell you what that man's problem is. Well, then what that woman's problem is, it's unbelief. That's how it all began. 
That's how sin began when Satan told her, as Eve hath God said. It started there. It started there. And it all starts with not believing in God. And when we have moved God out of our schools, our pup, out of the public arena, we have nowhere to go but the fruit of sin. We must deal, my friend, with the root of sin. Have we grown so used to sin that it doesn't shock us anymore? Have we? I fear that in our decadent society, even we in the church have grown so used to sin that it doesn't shock us anymore. Are you listening? C.H. Spurgeon warned his fellow pastors of the danger of dealing with sin and sinners professionally so that we lose our dread of evil. What at first shocked us becomes commonplace and routine. As Alexander Pope observed, vice is a monster of so frightful mean as to be hated needs not to be seen. Yet seen too oft, familiar with her face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. Vice is a member of so frightful mean demeanor, that word. As to be hated needs to be seen. Yet seen too oft familiar with her face. We first endure, then pity, then embrace. Do we allow things in our home? through television, that at one time we would have turned it off? Do we laugh and joke at things that we once were grieved over? Because we are so desensitized towards sin, we fail to have a proper response toward it, whether it is our own or the sin of others. We minimize it, we justify it, or we ignore it and go on our way unaffected by it. You don't have to take that book out in front of you, that hymn book. But on page 344, there's a song. It was written by J.H. Vernon. It don't even have the date on written many, many years. You couldn't write this song today. In fact, you couldn't sing this song today. See under man in the prison he dwells. Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame. List to the story he so plainly tells. Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame. Many dear children are crying for bread. Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame. Father's a drunkard and mother is dead. You can't say drunkard anymore. They wouldn't let you write it anymore. Sin is to blame. 
for all sorrow. Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame. Have you no hope for tomorrow? Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame for it all. If we see someone reacting, listen to this one. If we see someone reacting in a godly way towards sin, we think he or she is a bit carried away or extreme. He is judgmental and he is intolerant. How dare he cast stones at others? Does he think he is without sin? This is what it said. And so by casting our stones at him, we justify our sins and go back to business as usual, wondering why God doesn't bless our lives any more than he does. We've soft-coated it. We've wrapped it all in a nice wrapping. We've put a bow on it. You can clean up a pig, put a bow around his neck. He's going right back to the mud and the mire. You can try your best to make sin look pretty. It don't. It's ugly. Sin. Oh, and I, it's getting quiet. I mean, I knew when I got to this part, it would get real, real quiet. Sin nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. Sin. Are we listening? I wonder if we could be like Ezra. I love this great prophet. Ezra worked very hard to get the children of Israel out of bondage, Babylon, back to their homeland. He prayed for them. He worked with them. He tutored them. He, he just sacrificed for the children of Israel. Just months, months after they got back, they were marrying the heathen. The men were taking women of the Canaanites, the idolaters. Well, did Ezra said, well, people will be people. He didn't say that. Ezra sat down and wept. He plucked the hair out of his head. He plucked the hair out of his beard. And he wept. And he wept, and he wept. Where's the church at today when it comes to sin? Do we weep over it? There was a time when you lived together and not married. It was thought not to be so nice. It is so acceptable. There was a time if you told a lie... You were not thought to be such a good person. Now it's, it's okay. God help us. God help us. Ezra. Ezra didn't chuckle and say, well, men will be men. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. Follow me because it's, we, need to, we need to move on and, and, we, and we need to understand this. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict of sin, it convicts of... What are you talking about, Pastor? Notice what we wrote. The Spirit wants to affirm to us the righteousness of Jesus and call on us to look to Him along for salvation. 
the triumphant work of certainly Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross tells us of the availability of righteousness through him. That's the only righteousness. We have so much pride. I'm okay. There are so many people. I didn't, I didn't hear this word until I got older and older. There are so many people that are narcissists. He looked into the water and saw himself. And we look at things and we see ourselves and <clears throat> we're okay. I'm fine. I got my nice suit on. I can run around. I can do any of these things. I can commit adultery, fornication. I can lie, steal, commit immorality. I'm okay. Are we? Does God look on it that way? The only righteousness that you and the world can have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a good place to clap your hands, right? I like that. I like that. Amen. The triumphant work of Christ proves the availability. Jesus said, I've sinned because, listen to this. And you wonder, why did he say that? Because I go back to my father. He is going back to his father and sitting to his right hand proves that his work is done on the cross for you and of a righteousness which is provided by God and offered to man in the person of his son. Second Corinthians, look at it. For he made him to who knew no sin. I love this. I, I could just hang my hat here and stay here. I could get a steak or whatever and sit down and just read this and drink my hot cup of tea. Listen at this verse. Listen at this verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That we might become, now hold me down. Somebody, listen to this one. That you and I, ungodly man, men, might become the righteousness, might become the righteousness of God. Oh, God. No wonder he wants to convict the world of righteousness. Your righteousness, Isaiah says, is as filthy rags. You come to the cross and you kneel at the cross and have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life and that spells righteousness. Convict the world of sin. Convict the world of righteousness. Apart from the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, man has no true conception of his own righteousness or even of the righteousness of God. I got to hurry. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of righteousness. And he convicts man of judgment. And what does he say? You see... Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. You don't think he's going to judge you? You don't think you're going to have to? Listen, today he's your savior. Tomorrow he may be your judge. You don't think he's going to judge you? 
If he judged the devil, if he judged Satan, he's certainly going to judge you and I. He's going to judge us. I, 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 I just ran across this, and I, want, I hope you got it marked with the Amplified, Matthew 8, 29. And they scream, you know, the demoniac of Gadaray and, and Jesus, 2,000 demons, and he's going to cast the demons out. They go into the swine. But before they did, before they came out, listen to what they said. Listen, what business do we have in common, Amplified, with each other, son of God? Have you come to torment us before the appointed time of judgment? They know. They know. Satan, demons, evil spirits knows that Jesus Christ has judged them. And just as sure as he judged them, he judges mankind today. Amen? The defeat of Satan proves the certainty of God's judgment. Hebrews 2.14, Mark, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through his resurrection... Did I read it wrong, sister? Did I read it wrong? That through his riding into Jerusalem on the donkey... Huh? That through his miracles, through his teaching, through his preaching, didn't say that. Didn't say that. That through his death. No wonder. Brother David Smith's up something Wednesday. Oh, boy, did he do a good job Wednesday night. He said something Wednesday night that a professor told him about the cross. No wonder they want to do away with the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ because it was through the death that he judged. Death that he judged. He might, what? Destroy him who had the power of death that is he don't, he don't, the writer of Hebrew didn't mess around. He said, the devil. He don't give you room to doubt who he's talking about. Certainly the devil himself. The judgment, this is it, the last one, is passed upon the world's wicked principles and the world's wicked practices. Satan is judged, condemned, and cast out of his possession and is about to be dethroned. And you're afraid of him? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I'm not afraid of the devil. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. I want to read this. I, I, I read it. I want you to read it with me. First of all, in the 23rd verse, this is, and I'm closing. Uh, Brother Matt, would you, you and the folks get ready and come on. I, I want to read John 12, 23, and then I want to drop down to 31. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. What is he saying? The hour has come. Listen to me. Don't lose it. That Jesus Christ should die. And they called it, here he called it, glorified. 
Amen? Now I'm going to drop down to verse 31. Look at what it says. Now, and he uses this word now twice. Different tenses. Follow it. Now is the judgment of this world. Same chapter. Same text. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As I said, these words now, this word now, it uses different tenses. One is the immediate work of the, of the Spirit of the Lord. The other is the gradual victory of truth. Now with that in mind, follow me students, here we go. Now is the judgment of this world. Now. Then he uses that word now. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, here he goes, here it is. Not if I rise again. He's speaking of his death. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he should die. Sing for me, brother. Let the Lord speak to you this morning. Let this word speak to you today. Just, just close your eyes for a moment. If your hearts become callous and hard, say, Lord, mow me and make me back. I want to be like soft clay. In the potter's hand. God, I want to be pliable. I want to be where you can make me in your likeness. I hope you'll pray that prayer today. And I hope you won't become so hard, so calloused that God can't move you. Understand this, my friend. This word is true. No matter what we think about it, no matter how we feel about it, the Holy Spirit, when He comes, will convict the world of sin, will convict the world of righteousness, and will convict the world of judgment. Hallelujah. Do your convicting power, your convicting work, Lord. Jesus is calling. My God, I, I feel him calling. Holy Spirit, call us to the altar today.
Stand with us, if you will. Come on.